Chapter 95 of the D'Artagnan Romances, Volume 3, Part 1 by Alexandre Dumas, translated by William Robson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Sword Thrusts in the Water Concluded D'Artagnan's apartment was not unoccupied, for the Comte de la Fere, seated in the recess of a window, awaited him. "'Well?' said he to D'Artagnan, as he saw him enter. "'Well,' said the latter, "'Monsieur de Vort has done me the honor to pay me a visit.' in company with some of his own friends as well as ours. In fact, behind the musketeer appeared de Ward and Manicamp, followed by de Guiche and Buckingham, who looked surprised, not knowing what was expected of them. Raoul was accompanied by two or three gentlemen, and, as he entered, glanced around the room, and perceiving the count, he went and placed himself by his side. D'Artagnan received his visitors with all the courtesy he was capable of. He preserved his unmoved and unconcerned look, all the persons present were men of distinction, occupying posts of honor and credit at the court. After he had apologized to each of them for any inconvenience he might have put them to, he turned toward de Vord, who, in spite of his customary self-command, could not prevent his face betraying some surprise, mingled with not a little uneasiness. "'Now, monsieur,' said D'Artagnan, "'since we are no longer within the precincts of the king's palace, and since we can speak out without failing in respect to propriety,' I will inform you why I have taken the liberty to request you to visit me here, and why I have invited these gentlemen to be present at the same time. My friend, the Comte de la Fere, has acquainted me with the injurious reports you are spreading about myself. You have stated that you regard me as your mortal enemy, because I was, so you affirm, that of your father. Perfectly true, monsieur. I have said so, replied de Ward whose pallid face became slightly tinged with color. "'You accuse me, therefore, of a crime, or a fault, or of some mean and cowardly act. Have the goodness to state your charge against me in precise terms.' "'In the presence of witnesses?' "'Most certainly in the presence of witnesses. And you see I have selected them as being experienced in affairs of honor. "'You do not appreciate my delicacy, monsieur. I have accused you, it is true.' but I have kept the nature of the accusation a perfect secret. I entered into no details, but have rested satisfied by expressing my hatred in the presence of those on whom a duty was almost imposed to acquaint you with it. You have not taken the discreetness I have shown into consideration. Although you were interested in remaining silent, I can hardly recognize your habitual prudence in that, Monsieur D'Artagnan. D'Artagnan, who was quietly biting the corner of his mustache, said, I have already had the honor to beg you to state the particulars of the grievances you say you have against me. Allowed? Certainly allowed. In that case, I speak. Speak, monsieur, said D'Artagnan, bowing. We are all listening to you. Well, monsieur, it is not a question of a personal injury toward myself, but one toward my father. That you have already stated. Yes, but there are certain subjects which are only approached with hesitation. If that hesitation in your case really does exist, I entreat you to overcome it. Even if it refer to a disgraceful action? Yes, in every and any case. Those who were present at this scene had at first looked at each other with a good deal of uneasiness. They were reassured, however, when they saw that D'Artagnan manifested no emotion whatever. De Ward still maintained the same unbroken silence. "'Speak, monsieur,' 
said the musketeer. "'You see you are keeping us waiting.' "'Listen, then. My father loved a lady of noble birth, and this lady loved my father.' D'Artagnan and Athos exchanged looks. De Ward continued, "'Monsieur D'Artagnan found some letters which indicated a rendezvous, substituted himself under disguise for a person who was expected, and took advantage of the darkness.' "'That is perfectly true,' said D'Artagnan. A slight murmur was heard from those present. "'Yes, I was guilty of that dishonorable action. You should have added, monsieur, since you are so impartial, that at the period when the circumstance which you have just related happened, I was not one and twenty years of age.' "'Such inaction is not the less shameful on that account,' said De Ward and it is quite sufficient for a gentleman to have attained the age of reason to avoid committing an act of indelicacy a renewed murmur was heard but this time of astonishment and almost of doubt it was a most shameful deception i admit said d'artagnan and i have not waited for monsieur de ward's reproaches to reproach myself for it and very bitterly too age has however made me more reasonable and above all more upright and this injury has been atoned for by a long and lasting regret. But I appeal to you, gentlemen. This affair took place in 1626, at a period, happily for yourselves, known to you by tradition only, at a period when love was not overscrupulous, when consciences did not distill, as in the present day, poison and bitterness. We were young soldiers, always fighting or being attacked, our swords always in our hands, or at least ready to be drawn from their sheaths, death then always stared us in the face war hardened us and the cardinal pressed us sorely i have repented of it and more than that i still repent it monsieur de ward i can well understand that monsieur but for the action itself needed repentance but you were not the less the cause of that lady's disgrace she of whom you have been speaking covered with shame borne down by the affront you brought upon her fled quitted france and no one ever knew what became of her stay said the comte de la fere stretching his hand toward de ward with a peculiar smile upon his face you are mistaken she was seen and there are persons even now present who having often heard her spoken of will easily recognize her by the description i am about to give she was about five-and-twenty years of age, slender in form, of a pale complexion, and fair-haired. She was married in England. "'Married!' exclaimed de Ward. "'So, you are not aware she was married? You see, we are far better informed than yourself. Do you happen to know she was usually styled my lady, without the addition of any name to that description?' "'Yes, I know that.' "'Good heavens!' murmured Buckingham. "'Very well, monsieur. That woman who came from England returned to England after having thrice attempted Monsieur d'Artagnan's life. That was but just, you will say, since Monsieur d'Artagnan had insulted her. But that which was not just was that when in England this woman, by her seductions, completely enslaved a young man in the service of Lord de Winter, by name Felton.' "'You change color, my lord,' said Athos, turning to the Duke of Buckingham. "'And your eyes kindle with anger and sorrow. "'Let your grace finish the recital, then, "'and tell Monsieur de Ward who this woman was "'who placed the knife in the hand of your father's murderer.' "'A cry escaped from the lips of all present. 
The young duke passed his handkerchief across his forehead, which was covered with perspiration. A dead silence ensued among the spectators. "'You see, Monsieur de Ward,' said D'Artagnan, whom this recital had impressed more and more, as his own recollection revived as Athos spoke, "'you see that my crime did not cause the destruction of any one's soul, and that the soul in question may fairly be considered to have been altogether lost before my regret.' It is, however, an act of conscience on my part. Now this matter is settled. Therefore, it remains me to ask, with the greatest humility, your forgiveness for this shameless action, as most certainly I should have asked it of your father if he were still alive, and if I had met him after my return to France, subsequent to the death of King Charles I. "'That is too much, Monsieur d'Artagnan!' exclaimed many voices with animation. "'No, gentlemen,' said the captain. And now, Monsieur de Ward, I hope all is finished between us, and that you will have no further occasion to speak ill of me again. Or do you consider it completely settled? De Ward bowed and muttered to himself inarticulately. I trust also, said D'Artagnan, approaching the young man closely, that you will no longer speak ill of anyone, as it seems you have the unfortunate habit of doing. For a man so puritanically conscientious as you are, who can reproach an old soldier for a youthful freak five and thirty years after it happened, will allow me to ask whether you who advocate such excessive purity of conscience will undertake on your side to do nothing contrary either to conscience or the principle of honor. And now, listen attentively to what I am going to say, Monsieur de Ward, in conclusion. Take care that no tale, with which your name may be associated, reaches my ear monsieur said de ward it is useless threatening to no purpose i have not yet finished monsieur de ward and you must listen to me still further the circle of listeners full of eager curiosity drew closer you spoke just now of the honor of a woman and of the honor of your father we were glad to hear you speak in that manner for it is pleasing to think that such a sentiment of delicacy and rectitude and which did not exist, it seems, in our minds, lives in our children. And it is delightful, too, to see a young man at an age when men from habit become the destroyers of honor of women, respect and defend it. De Ward bit his lips and clenched his hands, evidently much disturbed to learn how this discourse, the commencement of which was announced in so threatening a manner, would terminate. How did it happen, then? that you allowed yourself to say to Monsieur de Bragelonne that he did not know who his mother was. Raoul's eye flashed as, darting forward, he exclaimed, Chevalier, this is a personal affair of my own. At which exclamation a smile full of malice passed across de Ward's face. D'Artagnan put Raoul aside, saying, Do not interrupt me, young man. And looking at de Ward in an authoritative manner, he continued, I am now dealing with a matter which cannot be settled by means of the sword. I discuss it before men of honor, all of whom have more than once had their swords in their hands in affairs of honor. I selected them expressly. These gentlemen well know that every secret for which men fight ceases to be a secret. I again put my question to Monsieur de Ward. What was the subject of conversation which you offended this young man in offending his father and mother at the same time? It seems to me returned de ward that liberty of speech is allowed when it is supported by every means which a man of courage has at his disposal tell me what that means are by which a man of courage 
can sustain a slanderous expression. The sword! You fail not only in logic, in your argument, but in religion and honor. You expose the lives of many others without referring to your own, which seems to be full of hazard. Besides, fashions pass away, monsieur, and the fashion of dueling has passed away without referring in any way to the edicts of his majesty which forbid it. Therefore, in order to be consistent with your own chivalrous notions, you will at once apologize to Monsieur de Bragelonne. You will tell him how much you regret having spoken so lightly, and that the nobility and purity of his race are inscribed, not in his heart alone, but still more in every action of his life. You will do and say this, Monsieur de Ward, as I, an old officer, did and said just now to your boy's mustache. And if I refuse, inquired de Ward, in that case the result will be that which you think you will prevent said de ward laughing the result will be that your conciliatory address will end in a violation of the king's prohibition not so said the captain you are quite mistaken what will the result be then the result will be that i shall go to the king with whom i am on tolerably good terms to whom I have been happy enough to render certain services dating from a period when you were not born, and who at my request has just sent me an order in blank for Monsieur Baisemeaux de Montlezun, governor of the Bastille, and I shall say to the king, Sire, a man has in a most cowardly way insulted Monsieur de Bragelonne by insulting his mother. I have written this man's name upon the letter de cachet which your majesty has been kind enough to give me, so that Monsieur de Ward is in the Bastille for three years." and d'artagnan drawing the order signed by the king from his pocket held it toward de ward remarking that the young man was not quite convinced and received the warning as an idle threat he shrugged his shoulders and walked leisurely toward the table upon which lay a writing case and a pen the length of which would have terrified the topographical porthos de ward then saw that nothing could well be more seriously intended than the threat in question for the bastille even at that period was already held in dread he advanced a step toward Raoul, and, in an almost unintelligible voice, said, "'I offer my apologies in the terms which Monsieur d'Artagnan just now dictated, and which I am forced to make to you.' "'One moment, monsieur,' said the musketeer, with the greatest tranquillity. "'You mistake the terms of the apology. I did not say, and which I am forced to make. I said, in which my conscience induces me to make.' this latter expression believe me is better than the former and it will be far preferable since it will be the most truthful expression of your own sentiments i subscribe to it said de ward but submit gentlemen that a thrust of a sword through the body as was the custom formerly was far better than tyranny like this no monsieur replied buckingham for the sword thrust when received was no indication that a particular person was right or wrong. It only showed that he was more or less skillful in the use of the weapon. "'Monsieur!' exclaimed de Ward. "'There. Now,' interrupted D'Artagnan, "'you are going to say something very rude, and I am rendering you a service by stopping you in time.' "'Is that all, monsieur?' inquired de Ward. "'Absolutely everything,' replied D'Artagnan. And these gentlemen, as well as myself, are quite satisfied with you. Believe me, monsieur, that your reconciliations are not successful. In what way? 
because, as we are now about to separate, I would rather that Monsieur de Bragelonne and myself are greater enemies than ever. "'You are deceived, monsieur, as far as I am concerned,' returned Raoul, "'for I do not retain the slightest animosity in my heart against you.' This last blow overwhelmed De Ward. He cast his eyes around him like a man bewildered. D'Artagnan saluted most courteously the gentleman who had been present at the explanation, and every one on leaving the room shook hands with him, but not one hand was held out toward De Ward. Oh! exclaimed the young man, abandoning himself to the rage which consumed him. Can I not find someone on whom to wreak my vengeance? You can, monsieur, for I am here, whispered a voice full of menace in his ear. De Ward turned round and saw the Duke of Buckingham, who, having probably remained behind with that intention, had just approached him. "'You, monsieur!' exclaimed De Ward. "'Yes, I. I am no subject of the King of France. I am not going to remain on the territory, since I am about setting off for England. I have accumulated in my heart such a mass of despair and rage, that I, too, like yourself, need to revenge myself upon someone.' I have proved Monsieur d'Artagnan's principles profoundly, but I am not bound to apply them to you. I am an Englishman, and in my turn I propose to you what you propose to others to no purpose. Since you therefore are so terribly incensed, take me as a remedy. In thirty-four hours' time I shall be at Calais. Come with me. The journey will appear shorter if together than if alone. We will fight when we get there, upon the sands which are covered by the rising tide which form part of the French territory during six hours of the day, but belong to the territory of heaven during the other six. "'I accept willingly,' said de Ward. "'I assure you,' said the Duke, "'that if you kill me, you will be rendering me an infinite service.' "'I will do my utmost to make myself agreeable to you, Duke,' said de Ward. "'It is agreed, then, that I carry you off with me.' I shall be at your commands. I need some real danger and some mortal risk to run to tranquilize me. In that case, I think you have met with what you are looking for. Farewell, Monsieur de Ward. Tomorrow morning my valet will tell you the exact hour of our departure. We can travel together like two excellent friends. I generally travel as fast as I can. Adieu. Buckingham saluted de Ward and returned toward the king's apartments. De Ward irritated beyond measure, left the Palais Royal and hurried through the streets homeward to the house where he lodged. End of chapter 95 Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia